Hey, I'm glad to have y'all back. I'm glad to be back. Obviously, my voice is getting better. Um, had a little body of Christ help. Somebody gave me some special new tea. So, uh, so far, so good. Um, hope you rested well, and I hope that we uh, have a good time this morning. Um, marriage is hard. Uh, Chris Rock is one of my favorite Reformed theologians. Um, Chris Rock says marriage is so hard. Marriage is so hard that Nelson Mandela got a divorce. Okay, Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in an African prison, you know, being beaten in starvation and solitary confinement. He gets out of prison, and six months later, he's like, I want a divorce. I can't handle this. You know, that's how hard marriage is. Last night, we talked about four areas, eight categories in a sense, that we sort of have to have ticking um, in order to um, make life work. Uh, we call them attachment or closeness, a whole issue of boundaries or a sense of self and separateness. The issue of bad and good, um, you know, forgiveness and humility, and the issue of authority. If you notice, they spell Abba, like Abba Father, or like the 70s super Swedish, you know, disco group, you know, whatever you're into. Um, anyway, and what we said was that our, marriage, our marriages struggle, not just because we or our spouses are, you know, jerks, but because we're all lacking character abilities in the image of God. And those character abilities are necessary. I'm going to have to downshift the voice. Sorry. <clears throat> those character abilities are necessary in order for us to make relationships work. In fact, for us to do anything, for us to make, you know, your job work. How well is your job going to go if you're afraid of failing? If you're afraid of, you know, taking a risk and, and you know, falling short? Um, how's your obedience to God going to go if you're afraid of, uh, if you're not willing to submit? You see, these character abilities are going to touch every part of our lives. I wish we had time to unpack all of them. Um, there's a church in Jackson Highlands Presbyterian um, that I did a, a series with all of them. Um, if you want to go and explore more Highlands Presbyterian Church Jackson, their website still has the talk some of the things that we're not going to get to. And you singles, what we're wanting to do is to equip you sort of to be able to be looking for relationship, developing a relationship uh, so that you, you know, don't just say, I fall in love, I get married, and then later on find out this person doesn't know how to be emotionally close. Oh my gosh, okay. So this morning we're going to tackle two of our categories, attachment um, or the issue of closeness and intimacy. Uh, and the issue of boundaries, which we're going to look at in regard to fighting and conflict, okay? So it's practical time, boys and girls. We're going to try to really put some meat on the bones here and uh, help you uh, with actual feet on the ground with um, some, some of these issues. So let's start with the whole issue of intimacy. I mean, call me crazy, but if you're going to be married, you might want to learn about being close to somebody, you know, whatever. Now, guys get a lot of stereotypical hassle about, you know, the intimacy thing, you know, like, um, and, and that's not always true. As I told you last night, I'm from Venus. My wife is from Mars. I'm the one who's like, I want to, like, you know, hang out and talk. And she's like, no, man, the playoffs are on, you know. <clears throat> I'm like, all you care about is football. Uh, but this joke basically communicates where a lot of guys are uh, regarding intimacy. This little boy and this little girl are playing, and the little girl says, Hey, Johnny, you want to play house? And Johnny says, Sure, I want to play house. What do you want me to do? And she says, Intimately communicate your feelings. That's what I want you to do. And he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. She says, Perfect, you can be the husband. <laughs> and you ladies want, you know, a guy whose favorite hobbies are growing to improve myself and commitment to relationships, you know. And what you end up with, especially if you marry a guy from Mississippi, is an individual whose primary means of expressing endearment is to spray paint your name on an overpass. You know, and that, that's what you have, you know, that's, that's how we communicate our love. Um, but remember, the goal of all this, 
We've been, we keep going back to Eden. The reason God did all this is so that we could have naked and not ashamed, okay? It's, it's, it's not good for the man to be alone. Naked and not ashamed is not describing the, if you choose to forego your individual rooms, fantasy suite night of the bachelor, okay? It is talking about what God created man for, which is to be really known and not alone, safe at last. Now, whether you know it or not, your soul is made for that. And one of the things that we see create the most symptoms for people is a lack of connection at different parts of our hearts. We're going to be talking about this a lot um, regarding marriage today, but we could do a whole other topic on the issue of attachment and connection in general. Basic principle of the universe, parts of you that are not known, parts of you that aren't connected in a relationship, will not, not only will they not grow, they will tend to get worse, okay? Parts of us that are in secret and aren't known by another human being um, don't get better. You probably have areas in your life where you're like, oh, I just can't, I keep struggling in this area. Someone else needs to know about it. We only grow in the context of connection with other people. As I alluded to last night, that's one of the reasons that therapy works, is you get it connected. It's a safe environment to be known at last. This only thing that heals us. God made us to where connection is what heals us. Now, let's apply that to marriage and, 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 and connect that with what it means for you to be able to let each other in and keep each other in. <clears throat> We're going to talk about three different kind of areas today. What intimacy is, I kind of want to define it because, you know, everybody throws the word around. What does it actually mean? We're going to talk about some of... Um, the ways that we struggle in it, some of the ways we can do it poorly and, and have trouble. And number three, we're going to look at some of the dynamics that can take place in your marriage regarding intimacy and some ideas about what you can do to get better there. So, firstly, when we talk about intimacy, what do we mean? What do we mean about intimacy and closeness? I just realized one day everybody always talks about communication skills or, or whatever, and I thought, well, does anybody ever talk about what really intimacy means? We touched on it last night, and I want to kind of develop that more today. Um, to understand intimacy, you've got to realize that there are different levels of it, okay? In other words, talking about emotional connection is kind of like talking about being rich, all right? Rich in South Beach, Miami is different than rich in Chula, Mississippi, okay? They're different things. Um, and in the, same, in the same way, being emotionally close is a relative term. They're concentric circles of it. So when one person says, I really want to know you, and to their spouse what that means is, I want you to really know what my honeydew list is for you to do this weekend, you know, we have trouble. So we're getting off on different levels. So <clears throat> I like to name four different levels of intimacy, and I'm going to talk about them from least intimate to most intimate. The first I call, <laughs> this thing shakes. <laughs> So I'm going to go back over here. Or maybe it's my hand that's shaking. First level, I call the drive-through level. This is the level of emotional connection wherein you say things like, would you like fries with that? Okay? And in other words, this is the level where we just, you know, get on the same elevator with somebody. We cross on the, in, the, in the hall. The only reason we're interacting here is we're kind of occupying you know, same space. How you doing? Fine. It kind of falls into that. If this describes the depth of your marriage, please see me after class, okay? The next one we call new sports and weather. This is kind of what we all did kind of coming in. You know what new sports and weather is. This is how you chit-chat. What did you think about the debate? Or, you know, can't believe it's so warm this winter. Or, you know, uh, gosh, have you heard about so-and-so? Get it? News, sports, and weather. That's what we kind of chit-chat with. Every relationship goes here some, you know. You kind of have to be able to do superficial. You know, I had, I had a friend in Los Angeles when I was in school who could not be superficial. You know, it's like you'd see her on campus and like, hey, Sherry, what's up? She'd be, well, actually, I, I've been feeling a lot of despair. And you kind of like, Okay, see you in class, you know. 
So you gotta kind of be able to do new sports and weather. All these, all these have a legitimate place, okay? Um, but if you live there and stay there, you'll be well informed. Um, you'll know all the scoop, but you'll be superficial, okay? Uh, some marriages kind of settle into new sports and weather. I see people a lot who basically say, we've kind of given up on our marriage intimacy, and you know, we come in and we eat supper together, and we go, what'd you do today, and what did I do today, and that's kind of it, okay? They just sort of give up. Let's not give up, okay? Number three, I call taking care of business. Got any Elvis fans here? You know, what, what, what does that mean? Remember Elvis had the, uh, the, the Memphis Mafia? And, you know, Elvis would ask him to do something. They'd be going, taking care of business, Elvis, taking care. This actually should be called taking care of business, baby. All right, taking care of business, baby. All right. <clears throat> this is basically where you practically live with people. You know, this is um, uh, opinions, thoughts, problem solving. Um, we say things like, you know, I like the food at so-and-so's. Or uh, what do we need to do to stay within our budget? Or you know, I, don't, I, I think we ought to get a, a minivan, you know. In other words, let me solve a problem. Let me give you an opinion. It's communicating an idea. Um, this is kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm talking to you about something practical. As you saw last night, I, I will weave in and out of being more at a deeper level with you. But as we do this work, I'm doing kind of TCB. This is um, Martha in the Bible, okay? This is probably what we spend most of our lives actually doing. And this is legit, okay? It's legit to actually be practical, all right? And if this was a talk on being practical, we could close in prayer right now, but it's a talk on intimacy, all right? There's a legitimacy to being able to actually make life work. Um, we're going to touch on that a little bit more in a, in a minute. Um, it's more intimate than anything we've done so far. It is your thoughts and your opinions, but it's not your deepest heart, and this is a talk on intimacy. Um, if TCB is all that you do, your life will run like a sewing machine. You'll practically get everything done. You'll handle problems and do life. People will probably know, uh, probably like you. Um, but actually, <clears throat> if you just live there at that problem-solving practical level, it's going to be sadder than that scene where they lock up Dumbo's mother, okay? Because there will be this real sense in which people will never really know you, okay? Adam had meaningful work to do in the garden, and God said, not good, okay? I want something more, which leads us to the next stage, which God calls abiding, so that's what I'm going to call it. <clears throat> this is Jedi level, boys and girls, all right? This is where we get to be strong enough to give up having to be John Wayne, I saw a guy not long ago, he was describing his dad, and he was like, no crying, boys don't cry, you know, slapping around like, look, is your dad John Wayne? And he goes, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Or, you know, the female version, you know, Martha Stewart, I don't know, you know. Um, it, it, you're strong enough to give up having to be that and, and be, be, be strong enough to let someone in to know the person you are and, 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 and let them be the person that you love. This is where I can look into someone's eyes and know that they know some garbage about me and those eyes still want me. Like those eyes we were talking about with uh, our friend over in the side yesterday, uh, last night. Um, you have to be known for that to happen, okay? Um, you don't get that at any other level and this is what I think is the foundation of a real rich marriage. Another way of saying it is, think about this, let's kind of get more practical about it. Um, all of us have a true self, okay? Another Chris Rock quote, he says, when someone first meets you, they ain't meeting you, they're meeting your representative. Someone sent ahead to make you look good, okay? <clears throat> then by the time they get to really know you, it's too late, all right? <laughs> True self means who I am in me, you know, what it feels like to be me, you know, by myself, how I feel about my life, what it's like to be me. Think about it just superficially for a second. You have an experience of life. Uh, you get up in the morning and you kind of think about your day. You go, oh, well, that report's due this afternoon. I'm a, uh, I hope there's not much traffic. Or, but I had that fun lunch. You are reflecting on kind of your own, what it's like to be you in a sense, okay? 
Do you hear the me being communicated there? It's like, I hope this, I want that. That's your heart, okay? Um, this is why your spouse wants to talk to you about your day, by the way. Okay, it's not that they're secretly writing the life of Dr. John L. Cox. It's that your subjective experience of your life is some of who you are. And they're looking to know sort of what was it like to be you today, okay? They're not wanting to go over every meeting you're wanting to, you know, forget. They want to know what it felt like to be you, okay? All right, that's an easy one. Let me give you a, a more difficult one, a more vulnerable one. Abiding is also letting you touch the core tender part of really who I am. It's about letting you share in the experience of, of really my heart. And this is an area that I would want you to, to really cultivate. Um, and I'm going to give you an example because that's the best way to do it. Um, I'll tell you about my, my youngest daughter, Bonnie. <clears throat> I'm going to give you the TCB version of it first. Bonnie is 23. She wanted to be a nurse for a long time. She went through nursing school and uh, graduated like last spring ended up getting a job at labor and delivery in the hospital. My, my office is next to a hospital. She's actually working at my hospital, so I actually get to see her in the hospital sometimes. <clears throat> All right, you got the information, right? Let me give you my heart. I watched Bonnie go to school and work herself to death. She would study constantly. She was constantly up there. And uh, I remember like praying for her as she passed her boards and, and got, got licensed. And I could not believe that she got a job at my hospital. So um, you don't have to cry to do this, okay? But I just tend to. Remember, I'm the touchy-feely one. <clears throat> <clears throat> so one day, I'm walking through the lobby of my hospital. This was like uh, in late summer. And there's this little blonde nurse walking in front of me. Well, the hospital's full of little blonde nurses. They're like Oompa Loompas. You know, they're, they're everywhere, all the same, you know. <clears throat> anyway, this little blonde nurse turns around, and it's Bonnie. And she's there with all her little dangly stuff and her little, you know, her little cloggy shoes, you know. And, and oh, my gosh, it just flooded me. Here she was. She's one of the nurses here in the hospital. All right, you get the, you feel the difference? You feel my heart in the second one when your spouse is going like, I don't feel like I really know you or I want more connection with you. They're saying you told me the first Bonnie story, not the second Bonnie story. Okay. Now, I want you to be growing in terms of cultivating. What did that really feel like? I could have just gone, hey, babe, welcome to the hospital. Or I could let that in and let it matter. That's what we're meaning when we talk about real abiding. Okay. So we're not like doing anything spooky and psychological here. We're not rolling chicken bones. We're, this is just sort of what it means to let someone know your heart. By the way, this again is what God created us for, all right? We talked about knowing last night, that biblical sense of knowing. We talked about abiding. This is what God wants with, with him. This is what worship is when your heart touches that connection with him and also with uh, safe other people and very certainly with your spouse. All right, let's talk about feelings just for a minute, because a lot of this has to do with feelings, and feelings kind of get a bad name in evangelical Christianity. They kind of always have, and that's primarily because we have a very fact-based faith, you know? How, whether you feel like God loves you or not has nothing to do with the fact that He does, okay? Um, and when it comes to reality, um, feelings aren't really helpful. Whether I feel like that truck is going to hit me or not doesn't say a lot to the truck, okay? Um, and all that can make us kind of feel like feelings are not that important. But relationally speaking, what you feel and what your spouse feels is going to be the core of who you are. If we had a discussion after our meeting today about something that's, uh, you know, non-personal, non-relational, non-emotional, like, you know, when you should change your oil, you'd probably forget about that pretty soon. But if we were talking after the meeting and I insulted you, or I hurt your feelings in some way, you'd, you'd remember it always. You'd be going two years from now, there's that John Cox, you won't believe what he told me back in, you know, why? Because that hurt your feelings, okay? So yes, in regard to like objective reality, I don't care what you feel. But when it comes to knowing your heart, what you feel is vital, it's super important. 
Um, to have a relationship, how you feel has to be this respected part of it, okay? And often TCBers will miss that. Often the people who are just the practical bottom liners will miss that. This applies not only, I'm talking to you some right now about sort of sharing my heart, but this also applies to letting someone else's heart matter. A lot of times if we're not tuned into how important someone's heart and what they feel is, we will miss things and hurt them. I'll give you a really grody example. I was seeing a couple a while back and she just came walking in. Already you could tell she was totally upset. Um, and she just plops down the couch before he's even in the room good. And she like folds her arms and she says, he hurt me. He just, he, he hurt me so much. He told me I was fat. Okay, and so he walks in. He's this totally TCB guy. He's this total like logical, he was like an engineer or something. He's this logical <laughs> brainiac. Like, I think he had you know, built his own positron collider in his backyard, you know. <laughs> like, <clears throat> just clueless about the emotional world. And he says, well, she is, isn't she? And I'm like, vaya con Dios, Jose. I mean, (laughs) so the the issue of abiding, the issue of that connecting level, um, I I tell you what, I'm just going to put that in my pocket. Yes, do a little TCB here, fix that, (laughs) fix that problem. Anyway, his total lack of connection to her emotional world and what it would feel like to be her um, made him clueless about hurting her. We call this empathy. In other words, the flip side of me sharing my heart about Bonnie is empathy, that you can care. Did you feel it when I told you the story about Bonnie? Did you feel the story? Did you care about me? Did you feel that that kind of matters to John? You resonated with it. Good. That's it. That kind of connection of letting what someone's heart feels matter is one of the most deep ways that we connect to someone's heart. Doing that in your marriage is what I want you to be doing when you sit down and try to connect with one another. Share the Bonnie story, receive the Bonnie story, all right? Bonnie's going to kill me when she finds that out. She was the topic of conversation today. By the way, any any of y'all who know Bonnie, some of y'all know my kids, do not tell Bonnie about this, all right? So, bringing who you are to a relationship hearing who you are in a relationship, okay? Not rocket surgery. <clears throat> now, let's think about it. <clears throat> this whole emotional vulnerable thingy. People often get kind of squirrely when I start talking about this. Um, why don't we all just go rushing into level four intimacy abiding all the time? Why well, is this something that we're not really inclined to? Why do we resist it? Thoughts? Vulnerability, exactly. It actually doesn't just feel like vulnerability, it is vulnerability, okay? In other words, um, knowing real me can get sticky. You know, when the Bible says, Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed, why is it telling us that? Why would it need to say that? Because the rest of us are naked and ashamed, okay? The rest of us, if we are naked and seen, we are ashamed. It's saying, hey, you know what? Their situation is different from yours. For them to be known was good. For us to be known is incredibly vulnerable, and we have to be very careful about how you do that. Um, A lot of times, I don't want you to know real me. That's scary. I kind of want you to think I'm 10 feet tall, good-looking, and bulletproof. You know, that's kind of what we're more comfortable with. So, by the way, that's one of the problems with the human race. What we are crafted for and need the most is intimacy and connection and love. And what is the most vulnerable and the most scary and we run from the most is intimacy and connection and love, okay? That's kind of why I have a job. If it was just that people wanted love, uh, you wouldn't need a therapist. But we want love and we run from love kind of at exactly the same degree and so we're stuck. That's one of our sort of ultimate problems. now, throw that into marriage, and marriage exposes the most vulnerable parts of you that you have, whether you want it to or not, and you can see why we want to, you know, hide from our spouse, all right? <clears throat> By the way, this is one of the reasons that affairs can get appealing to, to some people, especially the more superficial version of affairs. Uh, you know, people say, I just love Trixie because she understands me. 
And uh, I want to say, no, your wife understands you. She knows you're a jerk. Um, <laughs> the truth is you love Trixie because she doesn't understand you. She thinks you're wonderful. Okay? Another reason we don't want to do this. It does take a lot of um, investment. It takes a lot of energy. It takes creating space. One of the things that uh, I was thinking about from last night was how loud the kids were. I thought there was some, sort of something cute and ironic about that. Um, you know, we're working on our marriage and the kids are like, Wah! There's actually, um, I'll just share this with y'all. This is a freebie. There's actually was some research done on um, grafting marital satisfaction, the you and me connection, us enjoying just one another over the lifespan. And what they found was when you first got married, it was really pretty high. You know, you get married, you fall in love, and this is great. And then as you have children, the marital satisfaction scale drops down. <laughs> and it lives like this. And then they found over the lifespan at Empty Nest, it comes back up here again. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, used to, I used to teach Sunday school at First Pres all the time and do parenting stuff, and we'd talk about this. And, and I'd see my friends in the hall, and, and they'd be like, you know, dragging these screaming kids to the nursery. And they're like, we're living in the bottom of the U, man. We're in the bottom of the U. <clears throat> Anyway, so yes, especially if you have kids, bottom of the U, how do you make room for like, you know, they're killing each other and you're wanting to go, so how do you feel about that, you know? <laughs> um, another reason I've seen, very, very popular and painful, is that um, especially as you've been married a long time, we develop, um, we'll talk about this next, next talk too, what I call legacy hurts. And they are the chronic little ways in which you have hurt me and they've never really gotten resolved and it still ouches and I resent it. And um, we'll say next talk that we really don't know how to heal hurt as human beings. And um, I'm about to share my heart with you. And you see these people go roommate, not because of just entropy, but because it's like, uh, you don't cherish my heart and I'm not going to give it to you. And you have this resentment, this pain. And those people really need to get like uh, deliberate about saying, okay, you and I are basically starving ourselves to death out of contempt and fear. And let's get some help on it. Okay. If you find yourself living at TCB or new sports and weather um, and, and liking it because you resent your spouse or you're afraid they're going to hurt you, um, jump on that in a pretty aggressive way because that, that won't change on its own. It will require you actually saying, let's sit down and address this. This will actually come up more in the conflict talk next. But, um, another reason I have found is that a lot of people were never taught to live like this. I see a ton of people in my office and their families were just not like this. Their families never went below the surface. How you felt about something was irrelevant, you know? <clears throat> or, you know, mom's feelings dominated everything, so there wasn't room for mine. Or dad was an alcoholic, and you just hid, you know, kept a low profile. But what you felt and experienced emotionally was not part of it. Um, so then you hit a marriage, and here's this character ability, attachment. Your spouse wants to know your heart, and you were never learned, you were never taught that. Norm and I were um, eating dinner at a, a, a once at a restaurant, and um, this family comes in. Uh, four of them, mom, dad, brother, and sis, and they all sit down at like a four-top table, and they all pull out books, and they start reading, and the waitress comes and brings the menu, and they put their books down for a minute, and look at the menu, and obviously choose what they want, and they pick their books back up. Never said a word to each other the whole time. The waitress comes, they place their order, they go back to reading. Their food comes, they hold the book with the left hand and eat with the right hand. And, and, and they never said a word to each other the entire, Norm and I were spellbound. We were like ordering extra desserts, you know, because we didn't, <laughs> you know, it was like, they've got to say something to one another at some point. <clears throat> but I'm thinking, you know, that was, you know, 20 years ago, little Billy is, he's married now, you know, and. You know, and that, his wife's like, Billy, where are you? And he's like, uh, page 32, huh? You know, it's like, 
this kid, what would he have learned about connection? Okay, so. Um, I think this is the number one foundation for sexuality. Um, 99.102% of the people who tell me they have um, problems in the sexual area of their life the problem usually resides in the relational part of their life and a lot of times in the intimacy part of their life. In other words, sexuality is just a physical expression of the sort of emotional intimacy we ought to be having. There's a sense in which um, sex is a language. If you really want to understand sex, fundamentally, emotionally, characterologically, spiritually speaking, it's a language. God said there's no verbal way you can really communicate the level of oneness and connection that I create for a man and a woman. So what am I going to do? I mean, they got to be able to communicate this oneness, and there aren't enough words for it. So sex is actually a language to communicate the depth of that connection. Um, that's why the department stores call it intimate wear. Okay? Um, so, TC Beers, the reason that your emotionally connected spouse looks at you like you're crazy when you've been emotionally disconnected all day and then say, you know, hey baby, let's get busy, is for your emotionally connected spouse, that's like you saying, you know, I have defected from the U.S. and am a Sunni rebel and a terrorist with ISIS and hate the United States of America, but let's have a big Fourth of July party. And they're like, what? I don't understand. Fourth of July is to celebrate America. And you're like, yeah, I know, but I just like hot dogs and fireworks. You know, um, so, so for them, it's like you're saying something crazy, you know? Wait, we, you, you don't have any intimacy, but you want to say the most, do the most intimate thing, and, you know, that's why they get hung up on that, okay? Now, you deep connectors, sometimes sex is just for fun. So there's sort of, you know, a balance here. But, by the way, I am pushing on the abiding p- issue because that is our topic. But again, remember, legitimately, TCB and abiding are both vitally important. I mean, practically speaking, that this deep kind of intimacy we're talking about is not what you spend all of your time doing, okay? Um, I mean, how would y'all feel? I mean, I've touched my heart a couple of times here with y'all last night and today, but how would you feel if that was all I was doing? <laughs> you know, and then there's another story I've got to tell you. You know, it'd be like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <clears throat> Take your Lexapro. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm hitting lots of TCB myself. I'm doing a lot of taking care of business, explaining things, making categories. This is an important thing. You know those couples who just abide and live in emotional, connected, abiding all the time? Those couples that are both abiders, you know? And they have like six kids in dirty diapers and two rusty Volvos in the driveway and nobody pays the bills, you know? Um, <laughs> So practical life is important, and in fact, that's probably the reason you abiders, that's the reason that you were originally drawn to your practical problem-solving spouse in the first place, okay? They seem so grounded and practical compared to us, and we need to structure, and they make life happen, and uh, we feel safe when we're with them, and then we resent them later on for being so left brain. okay? Oh my gosh, you're so unemotional, you know? You're like being married to an android. Um, so be aware of that. The goal is to be integrated, okay? The goal is to be a emotionally connected person who can also handle and solve problems and think through situations. The goal is to be a problem-solving person who can also touch the emotional world, um, like Christ, right? The model for what we're shooting for, um, like the four food groups we were talking about last night, I think is, is, is a whole picture of the image of God. There's a lot of talk nowadays of sort of personality styles and, well, I'm just a so-and-so. You know, like, well, you know, sanctification doesn't apply to me because I'm just a so-and-so. You know, I think what we need to be doing is saying, well, maybe I'm a so-and-so in the sense that I tend to be more like, you know, uh, the golden retriever type and I'm all relational. Well, that's great, but God also wants you to be growing kind of a lion too. And, and the model is for us to create wholeness. And, and so in your marriage, that would be something I would want you to do. <clears throat> Which brings us to another balance. Um, remember I told you I was going to tell you what intimacy is, and then I'm going to talk about some dynamics for it. So I'm just kind of pot-shotting all around the issue. Um, 
another issue with this is regarding abiding. We've been talking a lot about can I let you in. Remember the other side of this. Can I keep you in? Remember those are our two parts of this. What do you do with intimacy once you get it? What do you do with love and care once you receive it? Am I able to hold on to their love? Am I able to trust it? Am I able to, to, to cruise through it when they're in total TCB mode solving problems and not connecting to me but still feel like our relationship feels rich because I know they love me? You know that old marriage thing like a woman needs five meaningful touches a day. I'm always kind of like, well, what she do with the first four? You know, it's like, you know, what are you doing with love once you get it, you know? How much reassurance do you need? You singles, this applies. You, you've gone out with some guy, and he hadn't called you back, and so now you're, like, texting him, you know, and kind of, like, bugging him, and, you know, and sending, like, emojis and stuff, like, you know, little faces, you know. And <clears throat> now, that can set up a funny dynamic because the more anxious and panicky and non-trusting and intrusive you become, the more he might feel flooded and suffocated and the more he's gonna run away, which brings us to the issue of some of the dances we're gonna talk about. So one of, the way, one of the things we sometimes see with a couple who has a real abider married to a TCBer is that the abider starts to get intrusive and pursue and the TCBer starts to run away. Let's talk about that. <clears throat> All right, yeah, let's talk about some of the dances that take place. Because you see a lot of, remember we talked last night about dances, that, uh, that couples aren't uh, cause and effect. Couples are I do X, which makes you do Y, which makes me do X more, which makes you do Y more, and on and on and on. Um, here's some of the ways in which those kind of things interact. Let's say an abider comes in and he or she is all full of feelings and they're saying, I'm afraid about this and I'm really sad about that and I really wish this and all these level four kind of feelings. Now, what does TCB Elvis say? Well, why don't you take up jogging, you know? Or let me talk to her, I'll tell her she can put her carpool, you know? <laughs> In other words, who cares about this? Um, feelings don't change anything, okay? In other words, the emotional feeler comes up and says, here are my feelings, the fixer's gonna start doing what? Fixing, okay? Now, why do they do that? It's not because they're jerks. It's not because they don't care about you, but because that's what level three is about, solving problems, okay? That's, that's, that's the level they're relating. If you're communicating something emotional to uh, someone who basically lives at a problem-solving level all the time, it's like they know no habla, okay? They know speak the language, okay? Um, they go into kind of brain lock, like this program is performed an illegal operation and, you know, will be shut down. Um, there, there's two different levels of the universe, you see. You're, you know, TCB versus abiding. You're getting off at different floors. <clears throat> I think this explains a lot of our communication problems. But the abider can feel like you must not care, okay? So, TCB Elvis, man or woman, whichever one you are, what she means when she wants you to hear her feelings or what he is meaning when he wants to complain about his day at work is that for level four feelings, what you feel is the deepest part of who you are. And if you care about relating to somebody in a loving way and you want real intimacy, then you'll learn to let feelings matter in that sense. Now, feelings will not always make sense, okay? My wife woke me up one night, middle of the night. I feel this elbow, she's elbowing me. And I'm like, what? She goes, I just had this dream. We were driving through the desert and you just drove off and left me there. And I'm like, well, go back to sleep. I'll come pick you up. I mean, <laughs> what? So it's not always going to make sense. Though there is another story of this guy. This, this actually happened. Um, uh, this couple I was working with, I was trying to teach him when she feels a feeling, just care about it. Just be loving. Just hear her and say, I really care. And I, and I, I get that you're struggling and I love you. You need to jump in and fix it. So like two days later, he comes down from work and she's like, baby, I just looked out and my car is a flat. And he goes, 
I really care. And I want you to know that. <laughs> and he went and he went to work. No, actually, <laughs> he, he helped him a bit. So solving problems, again, is legit, but it's closeness we're looking for. Another dynamic. Okay. Abider wants to be all close and intimate. All right. This is a really a common one. And the TCBer wants to just sort of solve problems and be done with it, right? Um, but that doesn't feel real good to the abider who's wanting all sorts of closeness and, and intimacy. Um, so what do they start doing? They start demanding closeness from Elvis and pushing and saying, <clears throat> all you want is sex. And living with you is like living with an android. And all that, of course, woos him closer to her. Um, now, how does problem-solving Elvis hear that? Super critical. You're saying the worst thing his ears could ever hear. The worst thing that a problem-solving bottom-liner could ever hear is, you are failing at what you are doing. All right? And she's basically saying, you're doing a bad job. Uh, she feel, he feels like she's, he's, she's saying he's a loser. Nothing he does will be enough. Number one thing I hear from TCB or spouses in my office is, I don't feel like anything I do is enough for Or, you know, uh, I just want her to be happy, okay? So guess how much closeness TCB Elvis is going to want to share now? And in fact, what does he, she, tend to do? What the abider wants them to do the least. Withdraw, give up, whatever. I'm off in a duck blind somewhere, Okay. So, ride with me now. Here goes the cycle. We're going to go around again. So now Priscilla, the abider, feels really abandoned. And now she's really panicked because he's really disconnected. And she amps it up another level. And she's like, you know, getting shrill about how they're not ever close. Well, guess how close that makes him want to be. Okay, and they're off to the races. And you see couples just live there. We call it the approacher-distancer um, cycle. Let's talk some about what we encourage you to do. That's some of the dances. What do you do? Let's start with TC beers. <clears throat> Guys or ladies. Learn to see, I hope you're getting this from this, this appeal I'm making this morning, but learn to see the relational world is valid. A lot of guys feel like if they're going to be in a, being emotionally connected, it means they have to, like, you know, open up on the golf course or something. It's like, yeah, guys, I got this aching void within me. And, you know, um, <laughs> or, you know, TCB ladies are like, okay, fine, that's just fine. Let's just all emote. Let's all emote, you know, that, which feels real good. Um, but all this means that you don't have to, is that you don't have to live alone, Okay. What I'm doing is trying to open up the parts of you that usually live in hiding to bring them to the safest place in your life or to help your marriage become the safest place in your life um, or to bring it to safe people in your body of Christ relationships, as we alluded. There's a lot of talk nowadays about how, you know, women are into relating and men are into achievement and goal attainment. Let me just address to the men for a minute because a lot of us guys are kind of in the TCB realm. <clears throat> and there's some validity to that whole kind of Venus and Mars stuff, but um, don't buy the, the whole enchilada on that, okay? Think about how all this marriage stuff began, all right? I mean, God didn't come to Adam in the garden and say, look, man, I know you're just fine with your, you know, your mountain bike and your ESPN, but uh, I'm going to make this, <clears throat> this woman, and actually... She's going to need a lot, and you're going to have to, like, share your feelings and learn communication skills. And, um, but, Adam, do this for, for me, man. You know, we've been through a lot together. That is not how it happened. No, God comes to Adam, and he says, I see that you are in a place of deep need. It is not good for the man to be alone. God was looking at how emotionally needy the man was when he created marriage. 
And to the degree that any of us, man or woman, are not in touch with that longing that God created us to have, we're going to be in some way out of touch with the way that God created us to function, and there's going to be fruit of it. As I said earlier, a ton of times when we see symptoms, be it depression or pornography or uh, panic attacks or a lot of symptoms come from parts of me that are being that are really just disconnected from other people in relationships. Everything else, Paul says, on this planet is in a place of groaning. So if you are not, check your ticket stub, make sure you got off at the right planet because the rest of us are dying for connection and God created us for it, all right? And if your, your abiding spouse is telling you you don't get it, believe them. Let them teach you there, okay? Secondly, learn the value of what I call with. <clears throat> As we said, what TCBers often think they need to do when someone says, I'm hurting, or I'm mad, or I'm sad, or whatever, they're problem solvers, remember. What do they feel like they need to do when they hear someone say they have an unhappy feeling? Fix it, exactly. Now, that gets overwhelming. Think about it. If every time your spouse shares a feeling, you feel like you have to fix it, I'm going to be on Neptune too by about 5 this afternoon, you know. So they withdraw, they blow them off, they can't handle anymore, and we're off to the dance again. Well, here's good news. You do not have to fix it, all right? Let me give you a simple little model for how to interact with someone else in an intimate way about their heart. Um, there are three places that we can go when it comes to someone else's pain. <clears throat> One is fix. The other is blow it off and the other is with now let's just take a few examples let's say your child hates what you have for dinner <laughs> fix says well baby we're just gonna go get you some dominoes don't you worry about it i'll make you a, i'll tell you what i'll make you a grilled cheese right now okay <laughs> what does blow off say get over it think of the starving children in india you know, <laughs> this is basically my generation of parents. This is y'all's generation of parents. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, the generation that raised me, it's like, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're walking across the room with a glass of milk. It's like, you drop that and I'm going to break every bone in your body. You know, current generation of parents is more like, hey, buddy, I thought we agreed that, you know, so, <laughs> I also like the when you're trying to talk kids into this generation when you're trying to talk kids into doing something there's the two person encourage your good cop good cop routine and it goes like this first parent says uh, okay in a little bit we're gonna need to get some baths cue the next parent <gasps> baths <laughs> Okay, and it's like, I'm going to kind of swing in and back you up. You know, maybe we can convince them. <clears throat> oh, my gosh, how did I get it? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need to do a parenting conference, okay? Y'all are fine. All right, so um, fix, get some dominoes, blow off as the starving children in India with says, I know, man. I know, a lot of times, you know, uh, I was going to say, a lot of times mom's food stinks, but no. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you, pal, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I get it. A lot of times we don't like what we have for dinner, and some people have different things that are other favorites. Hey, man, I remember growing up not liking some of the stuff my mom cooked, but it's kind of what you got tonight. And if you don't finish it, you're not going to eat dessert, okay? Um, let's think about someone who's going through pain, a loss. Um, blow off is, hey man, let's just go, let's go to New Orleans this weekend. Man, just forget about it all. Fix is, you know, I'm going to throw out some easy Bible verses. All things work together for good, man. It's going to be okay. And, and we don't really engage. With is, you know why you don't know what to say at a funeral? Because there's nothing to say. Man. I don't know what to say. Love you. We're with you. With is God's favorite preposition. Look it up. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will come make it all better for you. No, I will be with you. 
Emmanuel, God with us. I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will dwell among you. I will be with you even until the end of the age. Go do a word study. It's his favorite preposition. What it means is, I am at your side. My love is present with you. I will not step away from you. And so what our hearts need, what your spouse needs when they say, I'm so frustrated. Blah, 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 did this, did that, did the other, and it totally fell through. What they need from you is, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. Oh, that feels terrible. I know how hard you worked on that. You're done. Okay? And if they say, well, fix it and make it all better, go, well, you know, John Cox says I shouldn't do that, but... <laughs> Love is with, okay? <laughs> Just learn to say, I care and I am with you. How, what can I give you? Teach me how to love you good in this. It's easy, okay? Now, at that point, you're being very intimate with them. <clears throat> um, by the way, a TCB guy asked me not long ago, um, he said, well, what if her feelings are wrong? He's, he says, she says, no one in the church likes her, okay? And that's just not true. Shouldn't I tell her that she shouldn't feel that way? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Well, most of our wounded and pathological feelings are incorrect, okay? But in order to get someone out of that or to see that, they have to be heard first. They have to know you care about the pain first, all right? Emotions only heal if they're loved first. Basic math. Basic principle of the universe. Okay? Then you can swing back in later and say, you know, I, I, got, I got some mitigating kind of information here that might help you in regard to what you're feeling. Do you want that? On their terms, you can swing back in with that. <clears throat> so fight against that need to fix um, love with is what really heals feelings. Um, by the way, husbands tend to be the worst at fixing things for their wives. And those very wives tend to be the worst about fixing things for their children. Go figure. All right. Now, pursuers, abiders, what do we tell y'all? Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> husbands tend to be the worst about fixing things for their wives, and those very wives tend to be the worst about fixing things for their children. Uh, everybody got invited to the birthday party but me. And those are the moms who are like, well, baby, we're just going to take you to Toys R Us and get you a new game, and we're just going to show those kids what a good time is, you know, and you kind of have to fix it for them. They need you to be with them. Oh, man, that feels awful. I love you. It's nothing worse than that feeling you're the only one not invited. I love you. That's how we teach kids to be strong. Um, all right. Abiders, number one, respect them if they don't want to go there on your terms. In other words, can we make room for intimacy that's not necessary in, necessarily in our love language? intimacy for them may be doing stuff together okay just because they don't want to sit knee to knee in a moat doesn't mean that they're emotional zombies all right intimacy for them might be you know just hang out and be quiet read watch a movie together make room for intimacy that's also their style okay bottom line we'll be hitting a lot next talk is your needs do matter and their needs do matter too the only thing as important in a marriage as intimacy is mutuality, which we'll talk about next talk. You matter and I matter both. We both figure into the equation. What you need and what I need matters to both together, okay? So, make room for who they are and how they are. In other words, um, oh, if, you, if intimacy is really wanting real them, right? Well, real them might just kind of want to chill and be quiet this afternoon. All right? Can you make room for that? Another Chris Rock. Told you, he's my favorite. 
He says, when your woman says, I wish we talk more, what she's meaning is, I wish I talk more and you sat there and listened to me. Okay? <laughs> this is why TCB spouses sometimes don't connect. So we need to really check in how much is my own neediness intruding in this. And they do need some space. Think about it. I lived in a family with my wife and three girls. I lived in a family with four women. All they did was talk, you know. I always wanted one of those, like, line judges in tennis, you know, the guy on the high chair, just every now and then to go, quiet, please. You know, it's like, <laughs> I love that guy. I want him. <clears throat> All right, number two, remember, share. You relators, you abiders, you got a lot of feelings to share. Share them, but remember, they are your feelings, okay? In other words, it's cool to share your heart, but remember, your feelings are still your responsibility, all right? Not your spouse's. What this sounds like is this, you know, um, what we often will, will say, us relator, abider types, is I feel lonely in our marriage. The implied Trojan virus accusation being, what you going to do about it? Fix it. Change it. Okay? Responsibility says, I'm feeling kind of lonely, and I wanted you to know. And it may be my issue. I'm not sure. I'm going to be talking to my body of Christ people about it. But I wanted you to know. I want you to be with me um, as I make sense of that. Hear the responsibility that I'm taking? I'm very deliberately saying, I have an emotion, I'm bringing it to you as intimacy, and I'm not expecting for you to fix it. That feels so good to your problem-solver spouse, okay, who's otherwise going to feel like you're dumping another problem on their doorstep that they have to fix. Another secret of the universe, the goal of intimacy is to be known, not for your spouse to make you feel better. And a lot of times we're going, there needs to be more intimacy in our marriage, what people are implying is, I wish I was able to share more of my stuff and you would do what I wanted and make me feel better. Intimacy is just, I'm hurting and I want you to know. And I could be feeling lonely for any of a hundred reasons, none of which have to do with you. All right? Our feelings are our responsibility. And it's our job to go to our body of Christ people first and try to make sense of that. Okay? Another sort of application of this is sharing your feelings is not the same as doing your feelings. Okay? I yell at you and I freak out in anxiety and I'm going, hey, well, I was just sharing my feelings. Okay? In other words, it's like, um, I feel real scared about your job. It's really different from, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We're going to live in a trailer. And your spouse goes, you're freaking out. It's like, no, I'm just sharing my feelings. No, you're not. You're doing your feelings. All right? Huge difference. So parallel to what we said a minute ago, sharing your feelings, dumping your feelings is not the same as bringing them to someone in an intimate way. Um, number three, four, whatever. This is huge for us relator types. We touched on it last night. We're going to keep touching on it forever. Have other resources in your life. I know this is a cultural no-no to say this, but... I'm going to say it anyway. Marriage was never intended to be the sole resource for meeting your life's needs for intimacy. Well, some kinds of intimacy. <laughs> but marriage was never created to be the sole resource to meet all of your needs. God created us to have the deepest sharing in our marriage, yes. But think about it. The New Testament talks a lot more about intimacy in the body of Christ than it does intimacy in marriage. Our culture, our little Christian culture, has turned marriage into sort of the fount of meeting all of my needs. You know, y'all need just some real special time together, you know. That's cultural. God never says that. He says in the body, go love one another, go to one another, bear one another, confess to one another, rebuke one another, confront one another, be one with one another in the body. And our culture's lost that um, because we gossip too much and we fix too much and we Bible verse people too much and all that. So we've withdrawn from each other as a community. I guess industrial revolution has something to do with that too. 
but we invent things like therapy and small groups, and those are good. But then we turn marriage into this special place, which is going to be the place where I'm going to finally get all my needs met. Okay, no wonder we're disappointed. And no wonder singles are like panicking and going, what if I never get married? I'm going to be deprived of the ultimate fount of ultimate happiness. Right? We need to have rich, truth-telling friends in our life, people who get us and know us and care about us. Uh, my uh, associate, Jim Brown, one of the perks of working with a psychologist is you have live-in mental health next door to your office all the time. I was finished with work one day, and I was just brimming over. I was, I'm the relator, remember? And I already was almost fantasizing about it. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to pour out to Norma how hard my day was. And boy, it's going to be great because she's going to really care and be nurturing and all this. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Those who are about to die salute you. You know, <laughs> dude, you know, you know, she's been, you know, with these runny-nosed kids all day, blah, blah, blah. And this is not going to work. So I dropped by Jim's office, and I just unloaded on him. I actually got on his couch. And, and he puts his feet up, and I'm talking to him, and I'm carrying on about this and that. And, and then the phone rings. This was pre-cell phones. And uh, it's in Jim's office, so he answers, and it's my wife. He's like, yeah, hey, Norma. He's right here. I'm just doing therapy on him. Yeah, he'll be home in a minute. Anyway, he gave me so much. I then came home not brimming over with all of this intensity, and it didn't set us off on the dance. Okay? Now, as an abider, I have to take responsibility for that. I encourage you to do so as well. All right, so let's wind this one up. Um, intimacy is the deepest level where we touch our heart. You TCBers see the validity of that. You abiders be learning to keep love in and be learning to be responsible for your own emotional needs. As you do that, you will both be moving closer and closer to that connection that is both intimacy and mutuality. Um, what do you want us to do? Take a little break. Let's take a break. Um, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, good. See you back here soon. Thank you.